destroyed by fire. So, and then after this destruction by fire, the Bible, uh, the Quran, and also the Jewish Bible all talk about the darkening of the sun and the moon. That's an omen that is recognized by all three of those religions as the beginning of this new age. So you have first uh, these these wars and then this earth change, whether it be a, a shift of the earth on its axis or um, or something like that, or the volcanoes, whatever. Personally, I think the melting of the continental ice sheets is what's going to cause the earth to shift on its axis. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Okay, welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. We are going into the past, prophecy and the future today with the wonderful Kirk Nilsson. Welcome to the show, Kirk. Thank you. Thank you. I was just telling Kirk that I found him because Sheila Seppi from the Conscious Awakening Network was on Coast to Coast with George Knapp recently and it was the middle of the night for her, but here it was a decent time. I don't know. It was in the afternoon, late afternoon for me, so I thought I'd listen to her live and I couldn't find a way to listen to her from Australia. So I'm searching, searching, searching. And in my search, I'm finding, I'm searching coast to coast, coast to coast. And I found Kirk in my frustration to try and listen to Sheila. And I was listening to you with George Norrie almost 10 years ago. You were on coast to coast with George, listening to what you had to say and thought, wow, this is fascinating. And it's been a while since you shared that info. Well, I'm, I'm sure you've shared it on many shows since then, but it would be great to have an update because we're nearing some of the times that you were talking about. Yes. Let me tell you a little bit about Kirk. Everyone says everyone wants to know what will happen in the future, and many people would say there is no way to know. But there are those of us, psychics with psychic ability, who can predict future timelines, shamans, astrologers, prophets like Jesus, Edgar Cayce, and Nostradamus, etc., and Kirk has been a student of prophecy for over 45 years. His specialty is in the effects of planetary influences on world affairs. Kirk is an author, researcher, and lecturer for the Association for Research and Enlightenment. He's the author of three books on prophecy, astrology, and the life of Jesus, Edgar Cayce's Hidden History of Jesus. I think you brought that out in 95, didn't you, Kirk? Yes. Edgar Casey's Secrets of Astrology, Planet Signs, Aspects, and that was in 2000. And your new book, which has just come out, is 2026 Awakening. Yes. What's that one about? It's a combination of biblical prophecy, astrology, and the prophecies of Casey. I say there are three things that I trust in terms of prophecy. One is the words of Jesus. One is the readings of Edgar Casey, and one is uh, the astrology. And all three of these things I've found to be very, very accurate. So what I do in the book is I actually combine 
those three uh, sources of information to discover that in 2026, there's going to be the beginning of the age of Aquarius. And Kirk has lectured in over 50 cities in the US and Canada and has appeared on many radio and television shows sharing your knowledge on prophecy and Edgar Casey. And your website is 2026awakenings.com, right, Kirk? Yes. Well, how did you find Edgar Casey? I know I found Edgar Casey through Shirley MacLaine's books 35 years ago. How did you find the prophecies of Edgar Casey? Well, in 1981, I went into the University of Georgia bookstore to find the best book I could find on psychic phenomena. And, you know, you had the New Age section in those days. And I looked through all of the books, and the book that I picked was uh, The Sleeping Prophet by Jess Stern, and which is a biography of Casey. And I read it, and after that, I just read everything I could find on Edgar Casey, uh, and became hooked. 1981. And then what happened? I have to say that the Edgar Casey readings are the greatest body of information on the planet. There literally is nothing that compares to them in terms of spiritual knowledge, medical readings, uh, anything you can possibly imagine is there. And so ha I read every book I could find on Casey and decided that I wanted to write a book on Casey's prophecies. So then I moved to Virginia Beach a few years later and, uh, you know, researched at the library because there was no, uh, there was no internet then. So I researched at the Casey Library and wrote my first book on Casey's prophecies. What was it about his prophecies that had you so taken what what was he saying that made you wonder well it was not just uh what he was saying but the fact that his readings were so correct about everything i mean he could diagnose illnesses at a distance uh he could recommend uh cures and different formulas for people and he could even uh for for instance one time he was doing a reading for someone and they gave the address and all that sort of thing. And Casey said, well, they're not at home. They're on a bus on the way across town. They'll be home in about 45 minutes. And of course that turned out to be true. So his ability to uh, access the Akashic records uh, and just uh, see through time was amazing. Yeah. Do you think there are other prophets since then that have that same access? Well, I have seen many, many prophets in the last 40 years, or excuse me, many, many psychics in the last 40 years, and I've never seen anyone that even comes close to Edgar Casey. Yeah, interesting, because he was called the sleeping prophet. So he, yes. he would literally leave his body and be unaware of everything that was said during his time channeling right and then some intelligence would take over his body do you want to explain how he did it yeah he needed to uh, set aside the physical consciousness in order to do what he was doing uh, there is a thing called the consciousness diagram uh, where you have 
you have the conscious, you have the subconscious, and you have the superconscious. And when you go into trance, your subconscious becomes your conscious. So you have more access to the superconscious, which is the God level or the Akashic records. What about the lady that channeled the law of one in the 80s or 90s? What was her name? There was three of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know you're talking about. Mm. Well, let me let me just tell you my experience. Mm -hmm. uh, the best psychic I, I ever saw other than Edgar Casey was Al Minor. And he has since passed away. Uh, but his readings were very good. They weren't as good as Casey's, but they were quite good. And then I had a friend. Uh, this is an interesting story. When I first arrived in Virginia Beach to, to study the readings, somebody said, oh, I have this friend who's a psychic. Would you like to get a reading? He just started out. He's giving them for free. And I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. I'd like to get a reading. So I went over to his house, met him. I wrote a list of questions. I didn't even tell my wife what my questions were. I was just going to keep it a secret. And uh, I walked in and he was laying on the bed and he was in trance like Casey. He was a trance uh, psychic. And that's very rare. Most psychics are conscious psychics. And so I had all these questions on my list about my life as an Essene, my past life as an Essene. So the first thing out of his mouth was, as a witness to the Sermon on the Mount, then, you as an Essene, and he goes on to describe my life as an Essene. How did you know you were an Essene? Did uh, it's just my, Got you know, mind. well, no, I, I just the whole obsession with, uh, with the second coming and prophecy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's certain there's certain lifetimes that I've really drawn to. One would be the Essenes, the other is the American Revolution. Mm -hmm. You know, there's certain things that you're drawn to in history. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would say intuitive dreams, all that sort of stuff. So what did he tell you about that life? Uh, he told me that I was a member of the Sanhedrin, but I wasn't one of the ones who condemned Jesus. In fact, I spoke up for Jesus. Uh, which got me into a lot of trouble. Uh, and and the biggest thing to me was being a witness to the Sermon on the Mount. That's a very powerful thing uh, emotionally to me. Yeah. Did you find that, you know, being persecuted for speaking up in those days, did you carry any of that fear of speaking out publicly in this life, which is a common thing that people have when wanting to speak about spiritual things yeah i don't i don't think i don't think i had a fear of that but there certainly was a fear of public speaking in the beginning and they say that's a fear that's worse than death that people <laughs> fear public speaking worse than death yeah and for the first year that i i lectured i just was absolutely terrified every single every single time i talked and then after the first year it got to be um the physical memory, you know, like shooting free throws in basketball or something, I could give a lecture and be floating above my head, not even knowing what I was saying because I was so, you know, trained at that. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. And what did he say about earth changes? He actually described global warming. He said that the certain portions of the planet would warm 
and that uh, uh, Florida and other portions of the U.S. low-lying portions would be underwater. But he said that it would be a gradual change during that this time period. During what time period? Yeah, uh, the, the the time period from his time going forward. Oh, okay. So he didn't give specific dates about that. No. What else did Casey say that is pertinent to us in this time period at the moment, 2000, going moving into 2024? He gave some prophecies having to do with the Great Pyramid. He said that the Great Pyramid was a temple of initiation and that both Jesus and John the Baptist went through an initiation in the temple. So it was not a tomb. It was not a power plant. Uh, it was a temple of initiation. And when I said that on a radio show uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the host said to me that he had heard every kind of explanation about the Great Pyramid, but he had never heard that one. And that is the actual correct one, because uh, the way that this initiation worked was you have the empty sarcophagus in the king's chamber. And so the initiate would go into the king's chamber, lay in the sarcophagus. The priest would leave. He would be alone in a room with no sound, no light, and the entire uh, cosmic uh, focus of the Great Pyramid on him. And there's some suggestion that, it, that they stayed in there uh, for three days and nights, like uh, Jesus uh, did three days and nights in the tomb. So, and also Casey said that the Great Pyramid was prophecy in stone, and that some of the prophecies were correct as to the day, place, time, and individuals involved. And one of the things that he said was, that the going from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius, the stones above the sarcophagus represented the changes that would occur in religious thought during our time period. And I looked at that diagram of the stones above the king's chamber uh, for, for years, and I couldn't figure it out. And then one day I was falling asleep and I was in between that awake and asleep uh, state and I suddenly realized it was an arrow representing the kundalini the raising of your consciousness through meditation now Casey said that it the direction of the stones and the color of the stones would reveal their meaning and the stones there are seven stones five lower stones that are made of red granite. And the fifth one is slightly narrow, like the neck. And the two higher stones are made of gray limestone and they are connected. And these represent the seven endocrine centers of the body, seven endocrine glands of the body and raising your consciousness through meditation. So you have the lower centers, then the next center, which would be the thyroid was narrower. And then the pituitary and the pineal are represented by the uh, gray limestone stones, the tip of the arrow, which are connected as the pineal and the pituitary are connected by the hypothalamus. So it's a perfect representation of kundalini.
I love the explanation that it is prophecy in stone. That's fabulous. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I've heard many explanations of what the pyramids are, that they're a navigational system for the ETs and they're sacred temples. And obviously the mainstream one was they were tombs and you said that they were never tombs. And uh, I think that all of it could be right because they've been there for a long time. And the intelligence around the building of them could have implemented all that into this stone structure. Yeah, I think uh, I think some of that is true. Uh, now, there's a guy by the name of Jean-Pierre Houdin, mm-hmm. who uh, is a French architect. He quit his job, sold his house, moved into a studio apartment in Paris to dedicate his life to figuring out how the Great Pyramid was built. And he figured it out that it was built by an internal ramp. But one of the things that he figured out that's most fascinating is that, you know, uh, when they when the great pyramid when the king's chamber was found they had to blast through a 24 foot plug with dynamite to get to the grand gallery to get to the king's chamber so there had to be another way to get to the king's chamber for these initiations to take place and Jean-Pierre Houdin when he looked at the stones in the king's chamber he realized that there were there was a stone in front of the sarcophagus that could be removed. In other words, it wasn't structural. It was like a doorway with a transverse stone over it. Uh, and when he tried to, to slip a credit card into the gaps in the other stones, he couldn't do it. But with that stone, he could slip a, a, a credit card. So he believes that that is an entrance way uh, from a passage uh, into the king's chamber. Now, Part of what he predicted with respect to that was that above the common entrance, the inverse V, uh, that underneath this inverse V above the common entrance to the king or to the Great Pyramid, that there that that's where that passageway led to. And then last March, uh, they discovered uh, a room there behind those stones, which is and then beyond that room are two stones that are identical to two stones in the front part, which could easily be removed uh, to lead to a passageway. Nice. So he's made, he made some amazing, he's made some amazing discoveries. It's beautiful that this ancient structure in this day and age is still revealing its secrets. You know, we've been hacking away at it for thousands of years trying to understand it. And in 2023, it's still revealing its secrets and there's more secrets to be revealed. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and now there's more to the prophecy of the Great Pyramid. He said that it, it represented the day, place, time, and individuals involved. That made me think, how do you how do you build a pyramid to indicate an exact day, place, and time uh, 12,000 years into the future? So I was thinking about this and I... I uh, a lot of people don't know the Great Pyramid has eight sides. And the way that we know this is that a British uh, military pilot flew over the Great Pyramid at sunset on the equinox and saw a shadow on one half of one side. So the sides are indented 1% so that this shadow appears only at sunset and sunrise on the equinox. 
So I thought, okay, well, maybe they're telling us that something will happen uh, at sunset or sunrise on some future equinox. So I didn't think much about it. Then one time I, you know, there's this photograph, like I said, from 1940. And I was driving home and I thought, maybe there's more information on that photograph than what they're saying. Uh, so I took a, uh, when I got home, I took a business card out and I laid it on the edge of the shadow from the second pyramid. And it pointed directly to this right front four pop box of the Sphinx. Now this box in uh, 1998, they did electrical soundings indicating that there's a shaft under that box. And in 1982, they did acoustical soundings that indicate there's an opening under that box. And Casey said that there was a repository of knowledge underneath the Sphinx and that it would be opened by a, an entrance by the right front forepaw of the box. So I think that the whole structure is set up to tell us where this entrance to the Hall of Records is and when it will be opened. When will it be opened? Uh, now, uh, this is a little story too. Uh, in, in 2015, I called my, uh, my literary agent and uh, we were chatting and she said, uh, uh, I thought you call, called me because you wanted to do another book. And I said, well, you know, I'd like to do a book called uh, How to Be Rich, Happy and Thin. And she laughed at me derisively. <laughs> and so I said, well, what kind of book should I do? And she said, well, you know, you should do something on the edge right there on the edge of uh, knowledge or whatever. And I thought, well, OK, I guess I could redo my prophecy book. So I went home and I uh, took my ephemeris and I looked to see what was the best day astrologically in the next 35 years. And what I found was it was March 20th, uh, 2026. And that is the spring equinox. Now, the thing about the spring equinox is the position on the sun, the position of the sun on the spring equinox is indicates which astrological age we are in. And the astrological ages go backwards. So uh, to me, that indicated that that date, because the aspects were so spectacular, uh, would be the date of the beginning of the age of Aquarius. 2026 is supposed to be the beginning of the age of Aquarius. Some people say it's already started. Some people say it's not going to start for another 100 years. There's a few. There's a few. Um, well, the, the, the ages are 2,165 years long. Mm -hmm. So we're well, we're well into time for the age of Aquarius to begin. Uh, now, as far as astrology goes, um, uh, a lot of astrology is superstitious nonsense. The signs don't really mean anything. The houses don't really mean anything. The thing that is most important is that these planets are energies reacting to each other. And let's say you're doing an, a chart for someone. You can't really say what that aspect means unless you know where that person is in their life, what they do, what their interests are, you know, that sort of thing. Now, now, in terms of uh, planetary influences on earthly affairs, these appear when you have mass uh, arrangements of planets. 
And these things are 100% correct. For instance, for years, I knew that something bad was going to happen in 2020 and 2021. And I knew it was going to be depressing for the world. And I knew that it was going to be uh, an economic downturn. But there's no way I could have predicted a worldwide pandemic. But uh, sure enough, that's what happened. Now, I'll give you some examples in history. Uh, May 10th, 1941, had some of the worst astrological aspects that exist, and they were all on Mars, uh, the planet of war. And on May 10th, 1941, uh, the Germans dropped incendiary bombs on London, and it was the worst bombing raid of the war uh, for England. And now you could you could almost say that was the low point of civilization for the 20th century because uh, the Russians were not in the war yet. Uh, England was fighting alone against the Germans. And uh, and so it the astrology perfectly matched what was going on in the earth. Now, the flip side of that would be 1989 when the Berlin Wall fell. You had uh, Saturn and Neptune aligned together. Uh, with with a number of other planets uh, in November of 89, the Berlin Wall fell and also UFOs appeared over Belgium and they were there for about three months and hundreds of people saw them never reported in the American press. I didn't even read about it till probably eight years later. Wow. But uh, uh, anyway, so but the but the thing is, there, there are other examples as well. Uh, the Grand Trine is the best aspect that exists. So in July of 2013, we had a Grand Trine, but it was it only lasted for three weeks. So what happened was during those that three-week period, uh, the Iranians agreed to give up their nuclear weapons uh, because the great powers of China, Russia, uh, the United States, the European powers all made a deal. They agreed to give up their nuclear weapons. Also, the uh, Israelis and the Palestinians got together to talk peace for the first time in four years, but that aspect only lasted for uh, three weeks. So it all went away after the Grand Trine went away. Now, what we have in, uh, in 2026 and also to some extent in 2025, and even to some extent now, is that Uranus, Neptune, and Saturn are all lining up in aspect with each other. And when you see these change, the time that you see these changes are when the four large outer planets line up together, Uranus, Neptune, Jupiter, and Saturn. Uh, Uranus, Neptune, and Saturn are the three slowest moving planets. So when they line up together, they're together longer than any other uh, planets would be. And that's what we're going to see starting in 25. Now, the the big aspect is Saturn and Neptune are going to be conjunct in June of 25. And Saturn and Neptune conjunct is the physical manifestation of spiritual ideals, such as the second coming or uh, the opening of the Hall of Records, the beginning of the age of Aquarius. I'm not saying it begins then. Uh, I think it's going to be with that alignment in 26. But 
Oh, another thing with that aspect is the appearance of UFOs. So I think there may be maybe some mass UFO sighting, something like that during that time period. So, um, so what's happening is gradually these three planets are all lining up together. They are some uh, Uranus and Neptune are somewhat aligned together now, but the, the culmination of this will be March 20th, 2026. All of those planets are lined up uh, with the sun. Uh, and, you know, they're all lined up. And then Jupiter and uh, Jupiter and Saturn, I believe it is. No, excuse me, Jupiter and, and, and Mars are not part of that alignment, but they are trying each other on that day. So you have all these planets, almost the whole uh, pantheon of planets lined up in positive aspects on that day. Wow. So what about what's happening in the Middle East now? I mean, is there some planetary alignment that's creating the chaos that we're witnessing in the Middle well, East? Well, uh, uh, there is a Mars-Uranus uh, opposition and Mars, Mars in bad aspect with Uranus is uh, violence and war, uh, et cetera. Now, when John F. Kennedy was killed, he had five negative Mars-Uranus aspects. He had five of the most uh, violent aspects that exist. And there are also aspects for taking a risk, which, you know, he was riding around in an open car uh, as, and, you know, subject to assassination so uh so yeah there is an aspect uh that that fits what's going on right now much of what you're saying mm, could be corroborated with um someone that i had on the show recently who channels the angels and a lot of what she channels is prophecy uh -huh. and uh it hasn't been it wasn't pretty like she's been channeling it for about 10 years uh she's also you know a teacher helping people raise their vibrational frequency uh, but a lot of what she says is prophecy there was a couple of things that she said but she wasn't given dates and uh -huh. one was that there would be this light explosion on the planet that would uplift the minds of humans and uh -huh. um, raise the consciousness which a lot of people have spoken about they've called it the event some have said that it was like a solar mass ejection sort of like mm -hmm. this light that hits the planet. Some say it's coming from the sun. Some say it's coming from the cosmos, wherever it's coming from. But she also talked about a rift, like an underground volcano that would be heard across the world that would cause cataclysmic earth changes, like a lot of uh, much of what Casey said, you know, things falling into the ocean and things being underwater. And But no dates were given, so I don't know. Well, um one of the things that I talk about in my book, uh, the 2026 Awakening, uh, is that uh, if you look at the prophecies in the Bible, uh, Jesus in Matthew 24 talks about what's going to happen right before his return. And he refers to Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel specifically, he quotes it word for word. And Daniel talks about um, a, a desecration of the temple in Jerusalem being the beginning point of this, what he refers to as tribulation period. Uh, and he says it will be the worst time there ever was on the earth. So they give us, the Bible gives us a timeline of events. And the first 
uh, event to occur would be this invasion of the Middle East by some foreign power. In Ezekiel 38, uh, it says uh, that they will come like a cloud upon the land. Uh, there'd be so many of them. And then Daniel says they will be destroyed by fire. So, and then after this destruction by fire, the Bible, uh, the Quran, and also the Jewish Bible all talk about the darkening of the sun and the moon. That's an omen that is recognized by all three of those religions as the beginning of this new age. So you have first uh, these, these wars and then this earth change, whether it be a, a shift of the earth on its axis or, um, or something like that, or the volcanoes, whatever. Personally, I think the melting of the continental ice sheets is what's going to cause the earth to shift on its axis. Uh, it's, you know, it's a gradual change until it's a, it's an it's extreme one. Now, are you familiar with the South American anomaly? There is a hole in the in the Earth's magnetic field uh, in the South Atlantic. And it keeps growing bigger. And the cause of it is some kind of blob of material at the Earth's core. That might be some evidence that the Earth's Earth could be shifting on its axis. So, regardless of what timeline we're on, <laughs> all this prophecy from thousands of years ago, and and hundreds, and you know, and a few decades ago, sounds like something's going to happen. Do you think it'll happen in our lifetime, Kurt? Oh, I think uh, I think probably. 25 or 26 i think it will be so done i think it will be done by uh march 20th 2026 what will be done uh the the invasion the earth changes and the return of jesus or alien first contact or both uh or the and the opening of the hall of records all that the beginning of the age of aquarius that's all going to happen at once and because the Bible lays out the timeline so completely, it's almost easy to see how it could happen. Russia could collapse. Here, here's my thinking. Russia collapses. Now, uh, China gets 80% of their oil through the Strait of Hormuz. If that was cut off, then the Chinese would be motivated to invade the Middle East. And that's what I think is going to happen. I think uh, I ask... Uh, I talked about Al Minor. I asked Al Minor who would be the invader of the Middle East, and he said that it would be the Chinese. Mm, interesting. When you talk about the Middle East, what part of the Middle East? The I Iran, Iraq. The oil fields. The oil fields, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay, oil, 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 oil. It's now we have a we have a historical pref. Uh, uh, pre precedence for this and that is Genghis Khan Genghis Khan swept through all of Asia and he, and made it all the way to uh, Palestine and Russia has never been conquered from the west it's only been conquered from the east so the oil is the because I'm thinking with the event of new energy and electric cars and do we need so much oil but then I saw a documentary recently uh, and there was this big factory, oil factory, in somewhere in Texas, I think it was, 
and it was massive. It was like the size of a city and it wasn't producing petrol. It was producing plastic. So oil is creating the plastics of the world and we forget how much oil is in everything, in everything. Like if we stopped using oil, we'd have to find new ways to make everything almost, wouldn't we? Which would be a good thing maybe if everyone's fighting over oil. <laughs> That's for sure. So anyway, if you look at what's happening with China right now, their economy is collapsing yeah. uh, because of uh, Z's uh, saber rattling. Uh, the corporations are all moving their operations to Southeast Asia, to uh, Vietnam and Thailand and all these places. Uh, and so their, uh, their exports have, are way down. They also have a real estate bubble because the, the, uh, the governments there were in charge of building all of these apartment buildings and everything, and that is all collapsed. So they, that's why Z came to the United States. He came uh, this week because he's in trouble. He's in serious trouble, and he needs our help. So, uh, so it's easy to see that he would be motivated if their oil would cut off. That would be cut off. That would be a disaster. They'd have to do something. China is a big conversation, especially down under, because we're very rich in um, precious metals, which we sell to China for their building industry, and their building industry is collapsing. So a lot of the steel and iron ore that we're selling to China is stopping, which is greatly impacting the economy down under. Yeah, it's um, big chaos, big chaos in the world happening everywhere. So back to Casey, was there anything else that he predicted that is still to come? I suppose the earth changes. Well, there's a couple of things. Casey talked about the, the continent of Atlantis and that it would be discussed. He said there wasn't just a hall of records in Egypt. There was also one in Bimini and also one in Yucatan off the coast of Bimini, an island off the coast of uh, Florida. And so he said, I would say all of those will be discovered during this time period. And also, when I think about the age of Aquarius, uh, Casey gave readings on the continent of Atlantis and what the life was like then. And I think uh, some of the things that he said, I picture as being our future. He said that the Atlanteans could transpose matter from one end of the universe to the next. And he talked about the initiates, the, the spiritual people, uh, going into a crystal room and that in this crystal room, they could communicate with the infinite. So uh, I just think that those are some of the things that we, we have to look forward to. Ah, oh, interesting. Going into a crystal room, you could communicate with the infinite. Mm, interesting. Well, you don't need to go into a crystal room to communicate with the infinite. <laughs> anyone That's can, true. Anyone can communicate with the infinite if they if they shift their vibration and shift their thought forms and belief systems. I, um, I have a I have a friend who built a meditation room, mm -hmm. uh, a circular meditation room that they added to this to to their house with an enormous crystal in the middle of it. <laughs> Well, crystals are known for amplifying frequency, so I guess it would amplify that frequency that you could hear that you could hear loudly. There's a woman coming on the show in the next couple of weeks who's created a harmonic egg 
using sacred geometry, crystal, light, sound as a healing chamber. But I think it's also a frequency chamber to sort of help that, to help that. So there's lots of, there's lots of things happening. Yeah, communicate with the infinite, which is what Casey was doing in that, I don't know if he was communicating with the infinite, but he was allowing the infinite to communicate through him. Yes. So are you familiar with the aerial phenomena? The aerial phenomena? What do you mean? No, yes. what do you mean by aerial phenomena? Now, this is so interesting. I had never heard of it till a couple of years ago. Uh, in 1994, a group of African school children uh, were playing outside and a UFO landed by their playground. And oh, 60, oh yeah. yeah, 65 school children saw these aliens and some of them communicated with the aliens telepathically. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so this story is irrefutable because there's 65 witnesses, right? And uh, one of the things that the aliens said is that if we're not careful, that our technology could destroy the earth. Yeah. So, but, but, but the point I'm getting at here is that that first contact with aliens uh, that's what it would look like. Yeah, there's been a lot of contact with aliens. <laughs> I've had many well, people I'm, on I'm the talking show. about in a, in a public sense. In a public you know, sense. Everybody and, knows. Where everybody knows. Yeah, there's a great Netflix documentary that Steven Spielberg was a part of producing called Encounters, mm-hmm. which goes into, is that what it's called, the aerial phenomena, the South African school children? I think yes, that, that was. Yes. Well, it was uh, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe that was yeah. over 25 years ago 30 yeah. years ago anyway. oh here's another here's another interesting thing about that event that event has the perfect astrological aspects for an alien encounter oh does it Don't you like yeah it? the sun the sun the transiting sun was trine which is the best of all possible aspects uh uranus and neptune which is the extremes of Neptune, which is outer space and aliens. That's right. Uh-huh. Mysticism. Mysticism. Well, it's interesting because it's been showcased a lot. It's been talked about a lot. And as I was watching this uh, Netflix documentary called Encounters, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, it's nothing we haven't all seen before, except I did persist and watch all of it. <laughs> I was about to turn off thinking, yeah, yeah, I've seen all this before. But there was one thing that they had in this documentary about that particular encounter was the school teacher so she came out vehemently um saying that the children didn't see it that they'd made it all up and now she's coming out and she's saying she's had her own contact <laughs> and, oh, that she, yeah. and that she totally believes and she's sorry for being a and then she's had this amazing contact she's been taken up to the ships and she's had this whole thing happen to her and i'm like whoa but something that was interesting about her, she had stayed in that school for like 30 years as the headmistress. Like she'd stayed there all that time. Yeah, amazing. Mm. Yeah, have you seen a UFO? Yeah, see them all the time. I can look yeah. up and spot one in the sky. Not all the time, I have to say. Not all the time. And I communicate with other um, off-world beings and talk to the infinite, as you say. It's part of who I am and what I do. Uh, but yeah, I think that I don't call myself special or strange. I think we all have the ability to do that. It's just our belief structure, like we're under a 
collective consciousness which tells us we can't do that and if you do you're crazy or woo woo or special or psychic you know we've got all these belief systems that stop us from developing our abilities but as more more and more podcasts like these you know go out there into the world and more books are written and more people have these discussions that that whole paradigm is changing I was um, saying to my group that there was a great YouTube, there was a radio show. There's a, a guy down here that was an ex-weatherman. He's a personality. You know, he's been on game shows and he's got this big personality. And he and his wife now have a podcast show and they had uh, Ross Coulthard on, who is the guy that interviewed David Grush for the disclosure. Yeah. And, and uh, they were talking about, the shift in the paradigm of, you know, if you believe in aliens, you're crazy because that's been a collective thought form. If you talk about aliens or believe in aliens, you're crazy. And how that has greatly shifted over the last year as like you're no longer crazy if you believe in extraterrestrial life. Like that's been a huge shift in the collective consciousness that's just happened over the last year, which is Yeah, the videos fantastic. are pretty much undeniable. Now, yeah. mm -hmm. in, in December of 2017, I called once again my literary agent and I said, something is going to happen next month. No, in November, I, I called him. And I said, something's going to happen next month having to do with the U.S. military and UFOs. I said, I don't know if it's going to be a mass sighting. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know exactly what it's going to be. Well, on December 17th, they released those two videos to the New York Times. Which two videos were they? Uh, the first two, uh, the first two UFO videos that the U.S. Navy filmed, December seventeenth, twenty seventeen. Oh, oh, that was in twenty seventeen, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, you and the Tic Tac video, that one. I knew that, that one. something was going to happen okay. astrologically, mm -hmm. but I couldn't say. You can't say exactly what. You just have, you just have what you're working with there. So, so. The information that's coming out about all this is that the military have known about all this. They've back-engineered technology. They've, you know, they're in communication with off-world beings, and they've got it all going on. There's this whole, you know, other world out there that none of the public of the world know about. It's all very secret and covert. So that information that's disclosing that is coming out, and it's like, why can't we have this back-engineered technology for healing and and energy propulsion and all this stuff that's been suppressed. Like we don't need to fight over oil anymore, right? If we've got this technology, the room under the Sphinx that has the. Yes. Yes. Uh, so wouldn't you think that they'd also got in there to secretly some government or military well, and sort of uncovered it already? Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to talk about this. Are you familiar with Robert Schock, the geologist from Boston? Yeah. So he found a chamber under the left paw, 98, a rectangular chamber that's 98 feet long. Casey said that the Hall of Records contained 32 stone tablets. And that sounds like the Hall of Records. I, I believe that he has found the Hall of Records, and I believe that uh, we know where the entrance to the Hall of Records is. So um, so Casey said he gave some information about what was contained there. He said there were musical instruments, there were uh, there were musical scores, um, 
Uh, there was the history of the world from 10 million years BC up to that time. Uh, he did not talk about technology, but then technology was not a big thing in his you know, time period. But he said that it was written in a combination of Egyptian and Atlantean lettering. So perhaps there is some, you know, Atlantean technology there. But we're develop we're developing our technology very quickly, and getting very close to understanding, you know, everything. Well, we are. I'm pretty sure that the technology that's released to the public is like years behind the technology that has been developed. People say, you know, they queue up for the new iPhone. I'm pretty sure that Apple developed the iPhone 15 probably 10 years ago, but they're systematically releasing each iPhone, you know, one year at a time as a, you know, to make money as a marketing thing. And, um, but technology is developed, but it's not always released to the public for use. Mind you, we've had a big boom in AI technology over the last year, huge boom in what's going on with AI which is kind of scary, that has been released. It was sort of dripped out and then it had exploded. Have you seen all that AI stuff that you can do? You don't oh, yeah, study anything. You just pop it into an AI thing and it writes a book for you or it paints a picture for you or it changes your voice or changes what you look like. It's it's crazy what's going on. Yeah, well, here's a, here's a couple of things that are going on. Like I said, Saturn and Neptune being conjunct, that's a huge deal that's gonna be an enormous deal right there in 25. And then in November of 25, there is a grand trine with all the large planets. And I think there's going to be some kind of mass spiritual awakening at that point. Uh, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that it will be a movie about Casey. I'm trying to get a movie produced about uh, Edgar Casey's best friend, David Kahn because David Kahn met Casey when he was 15 years old and Casey gave him free readings for the rest of his life. So his whole life was uh, led by Edgar Casey, starting with, uh, he was uh, fighting in, the, in World War I. Uh, he searched for oil in Texas with Casey. He built a hospital in Virginia Beach with Casey. He was working with Eleanor Roosevelt in the top levels of government during the Great Depression and World War II. And time and time again, uh, I was astonished in reading his autobiography, how Casey was able to literally predict his future. Now, I'll give you a couple of examples. When he was in World War I, before he left, uh, Casey said, uh, your commander won't be with you when you leave. You will ship out in three months. Uh, both of those things came true. So also he said to Casey, I want to help with the war effort. What should I do? And Casey said, contact this general. But no, he said, first go to talk to Eleanor Roosevelt and then contact this general. So he went and he had an hour long meeting with Eleanor Roosevelt. Then he went meant met with the uh, general and the general said, because he was a businessman, the general said, oh, maybe you could help us with this logistical group that we've got. So why don't you come at, at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning and meet with our group? So he goes and he meets with this group and the group says, 
you know, we need two million, you know, pounds or tons of quartz crystal that we're using for electronics in our submarines. And we know this guy in South America, and he has two million, you know, he has exactly what we need, uh, but we can't, we can't seem to get him to give it to us. And uh, and David Kahn said, "What's his name?" And they told him his name. And David Kahn says, "Give me the phone." And David Kahn called him, and it was one of his friends who lived like two doors down from him. He knew the guy. And he said, look, what do we need to do? And the guy said, I have no transport. We need transport. And he said, we'll get transport. So they made a deal. So Casey had guided him to the exact place where he could have had the greatest effect in helping the war effort. His story is just amazing. He, he married a Broadway star. I mean, he had, he, had a, he had a more interesting life, actually, than Edgar Casey. Yeah. But if you, take, if you take his life and you add Casey to it it's just an incredible story to make an amazing movie there are a lot of amazing stories out there that would would make incredible movies but what amazes me is how much money is thrown into movie making that is so they make so many bad movies there are so many bad movies made out there that's so true on topics that are predominantly negative fear-based yeah, yeah I, I often wonder why have, why are these bad movies financed and stories like this not financed. Yeah, it's really interesting. Maybe yeah. that will shift. That will shift yeah. in the next few years. Well, speaking of that 89 time period, uh, Taylor Swift was born in December of 89. And she has this big opposition aspect. But the thing about an opposition is whenever there's good aspects to that opposition, they're like insanely good aspects. So as her life goes along, she can be pulled apart and yet at the same time have this amazing stuff going on. Yeah, Taylor Swift, born in 89. Wasn't the harmonic convergence in 89 as well? As that well? was in 87. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, that now, was in 87. Yeah, that was in 87. Oh, God, I'm trying to think of his name. I can't remember his name, but uh, the Harmonic Convergence was in August of 87. Um, there, There's an American football player who was born with that grand, that was a grand trine. You remember I told you that's the best of all possible aspects? Yeah. But once again, it only lasted for like a month. But anyway, there's an American football player who was born um, during that time period. And he, um, he was not talented at all and he played quarterback and he would there would be amazing plays that would happen when he was playing i mean it was just it was just extraordinary it was like angels in the outfield you know uh just incredible things would happen but he's kind of a christ-like figure because uh he would go visit uh sick children in the hospital mm-hmm. um before right before the game mm-hmm. and he started a charity uh, which has about 700 chapters throughout the United States to help, uh, you know, to help sick children and stuff like that. So uh, he, it, it's interesting to see someone who has that kind of aspect. Now, this applies to countries as well. The, uh, the United States has Sun Square Saturn, which is the worst aspect you can have. 
And so we have this governmental system that doesn't really work very well. Uh, the electoral college and all these different things that we have that just don't make any sense. Whereas Canada has a grand tron, which is the best of all possible aspects. And they have their governmental system works much better than ours does. Hmm. Well, I don't know about that, Kirk. I talked to some Canadians. They're not really happy with what's going on in Canada. We've got quite a few Canadians in our group, our online group. Right. And and uh, not happy about what's happening in the politics in Canada at the moment. There's just big suppression, big, uh -huh. um, what's it called, t t you know, like, yeah, they're not happy about. Yeah, but it used to be, well, it used to be the free and beautiful country, but that sort of shifted uh -huh. since, the, since the pandemic. Well, okay, so 2026, the room under the sphinx on is it the right paw or the left paw uh, well the entrance is by the right paw. by the right paw and the, the the room itself is under the left paw. oh okay so the entrance is under the right but the room is well there's something there's a guy called samuel chong who is um promoting a book called the thigh of a prophecy which was a book written by a french canadian uh, sorry french australian guy who was taken by some off-world beings to another planet and given all this information and asked to write it in a book. He has since transitioned. He left his body in 2018 and Samuel's taken it on himself to spread the messages of the book. And a couple of people, including myself, asked him the question because he met um, Michelle, who was this French guy who eventually moved to Vietnam and said, what else did they tell you that you haven't revealed in the book? And he said, about the chamber um, under the Sphinx. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. So that was something that the ETs had revealed to Michelle that he had not put in the book. I think that he was going to write a second book or didn't, or he just didn't get it all in, in the book. He wrote it in the late 80s and tried to promote it in the 90s and was so ridiculed <laughs> that he gave up by the 2000s and moved to Vietnam and became reclusive. But people found the book and they found him and uh, and the knowledge spread. So it is one of the most amazing books. I'll, I'll send it to you if you want to read it, uh, okay. about the history of planet Earth and who we are and what we're doing here. And, yeah, but, yeah, one of the things that was revealed was the chamber under the Sphinx. So when that chamber is revealed, would they have to, is the reason that they haven't, gone there is because they think they'll damage the sphinx if they try and enter it or why haven't they well casey said that there were guards left uh that it couldn't be opened until the selfish motives of the world were mostly broken up okay and now there's a legend that a pharaoh found uh, an entrance to a chamber under the sphinx and he sent in two men and they came out covered with sores so he covered over the the entrance and placed a statue of the god of the underworld on it. And when the box, the right front forepaw box that I talk about, uh, was uncovered in the 1800s, they found a broken statue of Osiris, the god of the underworld, uh, next to that box. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah, I don't know, a couple of years away, 2026, where are we? Three years away. You reckon the world will be in a better place by then? It'd be nice. Two and to a think half. Two and, two half, and years. a half years. Yes. Yeah, two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. it'd be nice to think that 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 is possible. Uh, that is possible. Definitely, it'd be nice to. Think well, I think the I think the omen of the sun and the moon being darkened 
I think that because it's recognized by these three large religions, mm-hmm. I think that will be the thing that causes the change. In the in the 1815-1817, there were giant earthquakes in the center of the United States, in Missouri, and they created what they called earthquake Christians. That because of the earthquakes, people uh, went to God. Oh. And I think I think the same sort of thing is going to happen in the future. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that will talk, be part of the change. You talk about 2020 as being a disastrous year, but through that disaster, lots of people being locked in, losing their jobs, having to make a choice and not wanting to make the choice that was on offer and being sacked and all, you know, the, the, the disaster that happened. There was a mass awakening. It was um, seen through the 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 light realms as a mass awakening of humanity in that they uh-huh. people would start questioning they'd start asking what's it all about alfie why am i here on earth what what's going on with the government and they you know rather than just getting on with the daily grind like a rat on a spinning wheel people would start opening and awakening and asking questions and definitely i have found that with talking to people about what happened yeah definitely i found that so the mass awakening has begun. Mm. Well, the kind of ma- there's a couple of events that would cause mass awakening. Uh, the earth changes, uh, the public appearance of aliens, that would change everything. Uh, the return of Jesus, the discovery of the Hall of Records, all of those things would change human consciousness overnight. I mean, if they found the Hall of Records tomorrow, everyone in the world would know about it immediately i mean it would be all over the place so any like i said any of those events or all of them together is what i think is going to happen i think it's going to be uh one big uh, ball of wax (laughs) how do you think it's going to affect religion because you know what we're seeing in the middle east is all religious based yes Uh, yeah well all of those all of the political structures that are oppressive will be destroyed That'd be nice. uh, one way or another yeah and, but but the but the to answer your question uh when you go from one astrological age to the next the religious um practices and symbols change mm-hmm. so we're in the age of pisces so we had jesus uh the fisher of men pisces is the fish of um, uh, the ritual baptism, uh, Pisces is a water sign, and we're going into the age of Aquarius, which is an air sign symbolized by the man pouring a pitcher of water. So the rituals will change to uh, uh, an air type ritual, which would be chanting, you know, like Areom and things mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. ritual chanting, I believe, and also prana breathing. That sort of thing. Yeah, well, air is represented as thought as well in the um, in astrology. Yeah, Think, thinking yeah. your thinking will change. Water uh-huh. is represented as emotion, and air is represented as thought. Yeah, well, the water—it's not a water sign, but it is an air sign. So, yeah, I, I just picture people, lots of people sitting around chanting and meditating. That sort of thing. Yeah, well, that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> come down under the conscious community they're all into yeah. it they're all yeah into how it. is how is uh are people do people even know who Edgar Casey is down under 
don't know. Um, I yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, if you're not into this stuff, no. I, I mean, I was amazed. I thought everybody knew who Louise Hay was because she was just so. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then I, you know, said to a few girlfriends that I went to school with, you know, Louise Hay's books, you know, who Louise Hay is. And but if you're not into that, it's like, no, who's she? So yeah. I guess that if you're not into it, you're not into it. You don't come across this. As I say, I came across it 35, 40 years ago reading the Shirley MacLaine books. She was one of the first books I picked up, or spiritual books I picked up, I think it was about 1920. And um, yeah, and she talked extensively about Edgar Casey, and I bought all these books back then. Uh, I think I read them, but I can't remember actually what was in them. But what was the one that you mentioned at the beginning of the show? The um... oh, that was Jess Stern's book, The Sleeping Prophet. The Sleeping. That Prophet, was the yeah. that was the first million seller uh, yeah. about Casey. That was the thing that really introduced a lot of people to Edgar Casey. Yeah, yeah. Now I met some people from Melbourne mm -hmm. uh, here at the Casey organization uh, a few years ago. So I know we, I think we have a Melbourne group down there. Oh, okay. Look, I'm sure there's groups in the conscious spiritual community. You know, Casey is well known, but if you're not in, engaged in that sort of thinking, then I, I suspect. Well, the, no the problem is that the organization has not promoted Casey the way that they should. Uh, they seem to have promoted everything else but Casey. Yeah. And that is really, that is really hurt because it really is the greatest body of information on the planet. Now, the most important practical thing that is contained in the Casey readings is that Casey said that the best preventative for cancer was to eat three almonds a day. Do you do that? Uh, I have for 50 years. <laughs> and you haven't got cancer. No. <laughs> I have to say, I, I do eat a lot of almonds as well, three almonds well, a day. How yeah. does, you know, thinking about well-known prophets, within the mainstream consciousness or community, I think Nostradamus is known. Yeah. How does the prophecies of Casey's sort of work with the Nostradamus prophecies? Because I think well, most the, people know about Nostradamus, even if they're not into this. Well, story. the thing about Casey was he was not really, I mean, he he prophesied things. But he was not a prophet. He was mm -hmm. a psychic diagnostician, mm -hmm. large, and gave readings to help people. Like uh, he gave 14,000 readings, I think something like nine or 10,000 were health readings, and the other 4,000 were what they called life readings, where we give past lives uh, and, and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like he gave a lot of, a lot of prophecy, but where his prophecy comes into uh, reality is in Giza. And the fact that uh, that there is a the chamber under the left paw, that there is something by the right front forepaw, under the right front forepaw box, the fact that the stones above the king chamber perfectly represent Kundalini, which would be the changes that would occur in religious thought, so that religions would understand that lifting your uh, consciousness through the endocrine centers through meditation is what we should be doing. The fact that all of those things fall in line with what Casey predicted uh, is very powerful, I think. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that the uh, 
second pyramid shadow points directly to that right front four ball box at sunset on the equinox. Now, what's interesting about that, another thing that's interesting about that is there's a, the reading, the reading actually says, the somebody asked, where is the Hall of Records located? And he said, the line of the light and shadow falls between the paws of the Sphinx. Now, the 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 shadow from the second pyramid that points to the box is a line of light and shadow and for years i looked at that and i thought what does that mean a line of light and shadow that doesn't make any sense and then i suddenly realized wait he's talking about this line that points to the uh to the box and then the hall of records where the chamber that shock found is between part of it is between the paws of the sphinx Part of it goes outside that left ball, part of it goes inside the left ball. So he almost told us in that reading exactly where the Hall of Records was located. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. And for people listening on audio, I'll pop up the diagram that Kirk sent me so that you can see what you're talking about. You've also got you've got a, a small video on your YouTube channel, which yes, I have four videos on my YouTube channel. Yeah. And then of course my uh, website. Oh. I also have a website, nelsonstheorem.com. Okay. Um, I have a theorem that explains uh, the God consciousness in mm -hmm. physics terms. Wow. There you go. You want awesome. me to hear You want to hear it? Sure. Go for it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're told that the Big Bang uh, uh, expanded the universe at the speed of light. And whether there was, now they're arguing whether the Big Bang actually just existed doesn't really matter when we look at the outside of the universe it is expanding at the speed of light well as you approach the speed of light time slows down when you reach the speed of light time stands still and mass is infinite which is actually interesting too but so you're talking about a force and they call this force that's causing the universe to expand dark energy because they don't know what it is so you've got a force creating the universe uh, at a place where there is no time. That's almost the very definition of God. So I thought, okay, so this is the creative force. Perhaps this is God, but does it have consciousness? I thought you've got to figure out whether it actually has consciousness or not. And then I thought, well, wait, this force created all consciousness. How could it not have consciousness in it? So I believe that this this creative force, a dark energy, is actually the God force. Wow, interesting. I think it was a talk I went to in 2012. Foster Gamble came out here. Do you know the movie Thrive that was produced yes. and made by Foster? Yes. And uh, he had, oh gosh, I think he had Nassim Haramain on Zoom because Nassim wasn't here and and then he, there was another guy that worked with Nassim that was out here. But anyway, they were talking about mass and matter and talking about how we have this idea that we're all one, but we perceive each other as separate because there's space in between us. And he said that that space in between us is what connects us because that space in between us that we see as empty is filled with information and energy and 
but we just don't perceive it. So I remember having this aha moment about how we are all connected because we're all in a bubble of this quantum soup of energy, but we can only perceive a short bandwidth of it, which gives us this illusion of separation. And I think that that's kind of what you're talking about, aren't you? Yeah, and that space between us has consciousness. Right. Really, everything, what this boils down to is that everything in the universe has consciousness but that consciousness exists at a level beyond the material you know the material plane right it's part of the material plane but it's it's beyond it and creates the material plane yeah oh darling one we could go in we could go way down the rabbit hole with this one but the question oh it's 12 22 here the question i want to ask you before we go is with all this prophecy of what's to come in the next few years how can people how do you think people can prepare for it? Well, I think it's important to have a, a store of food. I think that's very important in terms of practical things. And then uh, meditation and listening to your dreams. I had uh, I had two dreams about the pandemic. Both of them uh, were about tornadoes. And the tornadoes were coming right toward my house. And then they they just barely missed it in both dreams. So I knew that we were going to be okay uh, as far as that goes. So yeah, just listening to your intuition and uh, being prepared in some way, you know, not to be a doomsday prepper necessarily, but at least be aware. Now the, the, uh, the, uh, the Mormons have a tradition, always keep six months worth of food. That's their thing. They even have stores specifically for that and i think that's probably a good idea but i don't think i don't think this this bad time or whatever you want to call it tribulation is going to last long i think it's going to be very quick and right at the end yeah i have a friend in the states new salt lake who's an ex-mormon she's got she's got the food there she's got the store of yeah yeah (laughs) she told me but let let me ask you when you had the dream about the pandemic the time did you did you store up on toilet paper? <laughs> <laughs> no, I missed that one. <laughs> I, that, that one. Uh, I was didn't... I was caught in the toilet paper um, shortage. Uh-huh. That was hilarious. Yeah. I don't know why people were stockpiling toilet paper of all the things that went missing on the shelf. Toilet paper that was just crazy. Well, I thought was... I thought this is what Americans really value. <laughs> well, well, I'm in Australia. There was no toilet paper on the shelves here either. Uh-huh. Like it was Australia's yeah. value. But I remember one shop, which I've never walked into one since, uh, was selling some paper towels for about fifteen dollars a roll of paper towels. So they were um, p- price gouging. What do you call it when you profit? Yes, gouging. It's just price gouging. gouging. Yeah, and I thought, oh, you, you naughty people. And I never went back into that shop ever again. I'm thinking, no, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. yeah, it was a different world that we were in during that time period. That's for sure. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, uh, Anne Tucker, who is the lady who channels the angels, beautiful Anne, she said uh, to prepare physically is make sure you have some sort of filter, a water filter. She said that there oh. this, this darkness that you talk about was the prophecy that she said that that would happen, that she saw a lot of flooding, not flooding all at once all over the world like the Noah's Ark, but a lot of flooding happening in various plates places over a period of time and that's actually already happening there's a guy i follow on instagram who who posts disasters 
I don't know why I'm fascinated with disasters. And most of the disasters are floods. Like they're floods. You know, he posts all disasters, tornadoes and wars and everything. But when you go scroll through it, it's like Italy's flooding, Mexico's flooding, New York's flooding. There's just flooding, flooding, flooding happening all over the world. Yeah. What did you want to say? Um, There's this thing called the water book. Mm -hmm. And if you tear off uh, a page from the water book, it will filter the dirtiest water on the planet. And I think it works for like a month or something like that. Uh, and it's a way for people who have uh, no clean water to get clean water. Where do you get it? The water book. Where do you get it's, it? It's, it's been years since I stored that fact in my mind. So I think if people just Google the water book, it mm -hmm. probably will show up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Anne was talking about buying the little, you can buy these little filtration things that you can, it's like a, you know, a plastic cup and it has a little filter in it. You can uh -huh. put really dirty water in that, water from anywhere and it'll filter it almost completely. Yeah. Clean. Yeah. So yeah, this is great technology for filtering water these days. Well, Kirk, this has been fascinating. You are a wealth of knowledge. You are a truly a fascinating man. Thank you so much for sharing with us today on the show. All right. Thanks for having me. What did you think of that one? Fascinating stuff, isn't it? I've got the sphinx behind me. See that that's the right, that's the right paw where the entrance to the underground uh, cavern is, the entrance to the room. Akashic Records, the room, Hall of Knowledge. What did he call it? I can't remember. Well, it'd be interesting. As I said to him, I'm pretty sure that probably people have already opened it and it's all hidden from us, but maybe in 2026 we'll, we'll know about it. It'll come to light that, um, that there is information there. A bit like the, uh, what, were the what was that cave in the some high mountains that Greg Braden talks about, the Dead Sea Scrolls that revealed a lot of information that was taken out of the Bible and stuff. I mean, they were revealed and then people debunked it and said it was all false and all that sort of stuff. I suppose they could do that for the information that's, you know, in the in the Hall of Records under the Sphinx too. They could say, no, no, it's not true. <laughs> you know, free will here on earth. We're allowed to believe in anything we want to believe in, right? Whether it's true or not, it's our truth. Truth is relative, isn't it, to you? How are you going to live your life? Kirk and I had a um, more talk. We we're talking about astrology and all sorts of things afterwards. And I was thinking, I wish I'd still had the recording going, but he still wanted to talk, even though he said he had a really busy day and it was hard for him to show up because he had such a busy day. He was very chatty, even after I turned off the recording, talking about, what was he saying, the, the planet that's in your north node? Oh, God, I can't remember. As I said, it should have been recorded is what determines who you are and what you do in life anyway. And he said it's 100% true all the time. He did practice astrology. I'm not sure if he still does now and did readings for people. But as he said on the show, he said most of the astrology of today, he sees as nonsense. It's only the planets that are important and how they relate to each other that's important in his astrology. Yeah, fascinating. Very fascinating. So 2024 is around the corner. 2025 will be around the corner from that coming up really soon and then 2026 i wonder what will happen i guess we'll have to wait and see and as for preparing i think that the best thing that we can do to prepare for these times that have been prophesized or these great cataclysmic times is to raise our consciousness and 
not be traumatized by what we witness on our social media and news and see it all as happening for us and not to us. When we feel like life's happening to us and we have no say in it, that's when we feel victimized by what's happening. And I think that all these prophets like Anne Tucker and Casey and many prophets that talk about future times, they, like Anne said, they they prepare us for times so that we don't get traumatized and we can meet these times with good humor, enlightenment and understanding rather than meeting it with feeling victimized and traumatized because, yeah, life is shaking us to wake us as the pandemic did. There was a big shake-up in the collective consciousness. As I said to Kurt, many people awakened to looking at reality differently. They might not be spiritually enlightened, but at least they're on the path, asking questions. Why am I here? What's it all about? Maybe I don't really want to pursue the goals that I think will bring me the happiness. I have to look within. Yeah, these are big times. Look within and find out who I really am, what I'm made of and why I'm here and how I can of service to humanity rather than pursuing money and fame and success and goals how we can all come together and serve each other that to me is what true awakening is about stop focusing on the i and start thinking about the we i wish there would be more awakening in corporations especially the whole oil thing much of that is profit 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 bottom line bottom line with technology that's out there today that can replace the things that oil makes, um, plastics and petrol and, you know, it's still about making money, isn't it? It's always about making money, the bottom line, the bottom line. Anyway, let me know your thoughts on all of this. Did, did Have you read the Casey books? I have to say I read them years ago, but I don't really remember what was in them. So it was great for Kirk to remind me. I think I might even have them still on my bookcase or I might have thrown them out years ago. I don't know. Uh, lots of downsizing I've done over the years. The books are heavy. To, they're the first things to go. I've got such a small bookcase now, so I probably haven't got any of the Casey books left. And uh, yes, this weekend, Bonnie Satori is coming up in the Inner Sanctum. You're a Saturday in the US and Canada. Uh, I say you're. <laughs> Depends on where you are. Europe, Saturday night in Europe and Sunday in New Zealand and Australia, Sunday morning, 8 a.m. in Sydney. I think that's even earlier in Queensland because we're an hour ahead of Queensland, aren't we? And um, mid-morning in um, New Zealand. So hopefully you can join us and meet Bonnie. And remember to check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already, and I will catch you for the next one. Big love to all of you. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.